This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. And God bless and enjoy this message. And so you guys look beautiful. So glad you're here. For those watching online with us today, I want to thank you for joining with us. You are just as much a part of this service as the ones seated in the room but it is nice to see you seated in the room amen luke chapter 24 starting in verse number one okay on the first day of the week very early in the morning the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb they found the stone rolled away praise god from the tomb verse three but when they entered they did not find the body of the lord jesus While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. (laughs) Come on, somebody. (laughs) Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then, watch that. They had walked with Jesus. They had talked with Jesus. They had heard the prophecy over and over again. And in the middle of all of this, Of all of these events, they forgot what the Lord had told them. And it wasn't until the angels appeared to them that, watch, they remembered his words. Oh, yeah, we forgot. Really? Listen, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Let me tell you something, just a little side note here. If women could preach the first gospel message after Jesus rose from the dead, then women can preach too. Amen. Come on. I'm sorry, I just had to go there. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter... However, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, what did he see? He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we ask you to be in this place. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for this resurrection day. Lord, that we get to celebrate the fact that you are no longer in the tomb. But God, among all the people that they have called God, you are the only one who died and rose again. God, we thank you for that today. And God, we pray for this message. Lord God, you know I've said it and I'll say it again. I can't do this without you. I need your Holy Spirit moving through me, teaching me what to say as we go through this. So, Lord, I pray that you do with me what you did with Moses and be my mouth as I speak today. 
Lord God, for everybody here, I pray that you'd open up our minds to know, our ears to hear, and our eyes to see the truth of your word today. Let us be transformed by the scripture. And it's in your name I pray. And everybody said, amen. There is a Sunday school teacher who just got done telling her third graders about how Jesus was crucified and placed in a tomb with a great stone sealing the opening. Then waiting to share the excitement of the resurrection, she asked, and what do you think were Jesus' first words when he came bursting out of the tomb that day? A hand shot up in the classroom from the very back. The teacher recognized the little girl. She jumps to her feet excitedly and said, I know, I know, I know. I know the first thing that Jesus said. Well, good, the teacher replied. What was it that Jesus said? And the little girl jumped up out of her seat and with all excitement, she said, Jesus said, ta-da. Amen. Could you imagine what happened on that morning? I recently came across a story. It was told by dear Abby in a response to someone's question. A young man from a wealthy home was about to graduate from high school. It was the custom in that neighborhood for the parents to give the graduates a brand new car. So Bill and his dad had spent months looking at cars. And the week before graduation, they found the perfect one. So on the eve of his graduation, his dad handed him a gift. Knowing that Bill was going to open that gift and see the keys to his brand new car. He opened it up and found a gift-wrapped Bible. Bill was so angry at his dad that he threw the Bible down and stormed out of the house. He and his dad never saw each other again, and it was the news of his dad's death that brought Bill back home again. And as he sat one night going through all the possessions that he was to inherit, he came across the Bible that his dad had um, given him he brushed away the dust and opened it up just to find a check for the exact amount of that car that he and his dad went and looked for and as I thought about this story I couldn't help but wonder how many people today have done the same thing to God literally tossed aside a wonderful promise because they didn't understand it. Because they didn't even open it. Because they weren't ready to receive the gift. In our world, we're taught that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So many of us have been taken in by empty promises that we're leery of anything or anyone that tells us that we can have something for nothing. The world simply doesn't work that way, but you know what? God does. God works that way. God has never made a promise that was too good to be true because he always comes through on his promise. The truth of the matter is the world is full of empty promises. We watch TV and we watch advertisements and commercials and they tell us that we can be happy, we can be rich if we only just do this one thing just to do it and find out it doesn't really work that way. 
If we're just to buy this product, then we can lose 20 pounds by next week. Right? But it just doesn't seem to work that way. But God is different. Instead of promises that are just full of emptiness on Easter, on this resurrection day, He gave us emptiness in the form of a promise. This morning, I want us to think about the emptiness of Easter that produced the promises of Easter. And the first thing I want to talk about today in this message called Empty Promises is the empty cross. And I want us to begin with the cross because, because the cross was empty, we have the promise that our sins have been forgiven. Amen. I want us to go back on that first Easter morning. It's early in the morning, dawn. Sun ha has not risen. A few of the people, the women are on their way to the tomb. It's the tomb where Jesus was buried. They have been walking now for about a half hour. The conversation is subdued. The task before them is a sad one. They're going to anoint the body of Jesus. And as they come to the top of a rise in the path, they all stop, motionless and quiet. They stare off in the distance. And as you look with them, I want you to see the glow of those three crosses that stood. Could you imagine the emotion as the women were walking to the tomb and they looked up onto the horizon and saw the empty crosses? From the crucifixion, nobody had yet removed them. So there they stand, an empty reminder of the horror that took place on that Good Friday. The one in the middle, though, is the one I want you to really look at because it's the one that Jesus hung on. And I want you to, in your mind, take a close look at what that cross would have looked like. The blood stains are from the crown of thorns that were crushed into his skull. The stains on the ends of the crossbar, they, they came from the nails that were driven into his hands. The main beam was soaked in blood, blood from his back, blood that was shed when the Roman soldiers beat him with a cat of nine tails. It also had stains from the blood that poured from his side when another Roman soldier ran a spear through him just to see if he was dead, and he was. Don't ever, ever believe somebody when they tell you that the emotions of that day were fake. It was real. Jesus was dead. The soldiers knew it. The Romans knew it. The Jews knew it. So what did they do? Together they made up a lie that the disciples must have stolen the body. Can you imagine 11 common men overpowering a company of Roman soldiers? Moving a two-ton stone and stealing the body of Jesus just so that they could claim that he came back to life and the prophecy had been fulfilled. And then willingly die to protect that lie. You can't me either. But you see, Jesus really did die. And that's why I want you to see the empty cross because it's the place where he died. But today, let me tell you, church, that cross is empty. Empty of Jesus' body, but it is complete with God's promise. Full of hope for you and I. The promise of the empty cross is that you and I stand forgiven. 
that all of our sins have been wiped clean and we don't have to worry about that because if we know Jesus in our heart and we've asked him to forgive us of our sins, the promise of the empty cross says that they've been wiped clean. But sin, it's a word that's just not popular anymore, is it? It's not politically correct. But the simple fact of the matter is the Bible tells us that we all have sinned. Every one of us, you, me, the person right next to you, behind you, in front. We all have sinned. As a matter of fact, the only person who has ever lived to sin this life is the Lord Jesus himself. Everyone else has come short. So here's the problem. According to God's law, it said that the wages of sin is death. He, he says that the soul that sins will surely die. Because we have sin, we deserve God's just punishment. We deserve eternal death. And without creating some problems this morning, we deserved hell. However, when you look at the empty cross this morning, it's a reminder that Jesus paid the penalty for that sin. And God's word says that God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. It was on that cross that Jesus Christ offered his perfect sinless life on behalf of each one of us. No one else, not Moses, not Abraham, not David, not Muhammad, not Buddha. There's not another God in this world that, that died and rose again. But it is, there is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. And that name this morning is Jesus. Amen today. When Jesus breathed his last, he cried out, it is done. It is complete. The penalty was paid on that cross, the empty cross. It was there that his blood was spilt for our salvation. Before that Friday, God could open up the book and look up each name and written in black were the words guilt of sin. But when Jesus went to the cross, <laughs> God literally transferred our accounts to his name. On that day across every name he wrote, forgiven, 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 forgiven. Every single name. Amen. So I want to give you this deep thought today. In regards to sin, don't do it. Now that's deep. That's really, it's going to take you a while to get that one, right? To let that one sink in. Just stop. Just stop. There has to be a difference between knowing Jesus and not. We must look different than the world. We are called to be different. Does not the Bible say to let the redeemed of the Lord say so? then we should be saying so from every rooftop and mountain that we can come to. We should be saying that Jesus is king and that he has risen and there's no other name by which you can be saved. Jesus died and the cross became empty so that my promise of forgiveness could take place. 
The second empty promise today that I want to talk about is the empty tomb. I want to go back to the story and look at our ladies today. After pausing briefly to view the cross, they continued on their way down the path to the tomb. As they go, one of them wonders aloud, who will move the stone for us? They have good reason to be concerned. The stone that was placed in front of the tomb was a large boulder, probably weighing upwards of two ton. Not only that, the Romans had sealed it, so no one was allowed to move it without their permission. However, the ladies continued, and suddenly, listen, they feel the earth move. <laughs> Frightened, they look at each other, not certain what to do. After a few minutes, things seem normal, so they continue on their way as they approach the burial site. They're still wondering about what had happened. And when they came upon the tomb, something that they saw so remarkable, the soldiers were unconscious. The stone had been moved. An angel glowing like lightning is sitting on it. Listen to his words. Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Jesus had risen. He was alive. The tomb was empty. And what a tremendous empty promise that holds. Let me tell you about a story about a little boy named Mark. Mark never felt like he belonged anywhere. He was pleasant to be around, but he looked a bit different and sometimes seemed unusual to his eight-year-old classmates. There was a reason Mark, you see, was born with Downs. And in his Sunday school class, several weeks before, uh, Mark's teacher introduced a special project. He gave every member a plastic egg. He explained that each child was to go outside and find a symbol for new life and put it into the egg. Enthusiastically, the class responded. So when they got back to the classroom, all the eggs were opened one at a time with each child explaining the meaning of his symbol. In the first egg, it was a pretty daisy. In the next, it was a beautiful butterfly. Green grass was in the third, and the children ooed and they awed, and in another was a rock which prompted laughter. Lastly, Mark's egg was opened, and there was nothing in it. And all the classmates said, well, that's dumb. Some, somebody didn't do it right. The teacher felt a tug on his shirt, and it was Mark who said, that's my egg, teacher, that's mine. I did do it right. I did. It's empty because the tomb was empty. There was a thoughtful silence that took place, and strangely, from that time on, Mark was accepted as part of the group. He continued to have issues with his health. And in the summer of that year, he picked up a, a sickness that most children would have easily shaken off. But Mark's weak body couldn't handle it. And a few weeks later, he died. At the um, funeral, nine eight-year-olds 
with their teacher brought their symbol of remembrance (laughs) and placed it near the coffin. Their unusual gift wasn't the original. It wasn't the beautiful daisy or the butterfly or the grass or even the rock. But rather all of them brought empty eggs and placed it inside the coffin. Now a new symbol to them of hope and new life. It was Mark, the different child who had helped his friends see the hope in the message of Easter. And that's the emptiness of the tomb created the promise of hope. For in fact, today, church, let me tell you, the empty tomb is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise to every one of us that we too will be raised to life with him. To those who know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, death has lost its sting. It is no longer something to be feared. What fear is there when we have the promise that one day we'll live with him? There was a dad and his boy that were traveling down a country road one afternoon in the springtime and suddenly a bee flew into the window of the car Well, the boy in the back seat was scared to death. He didn't know what to do. He's sitting there, hands all over his face, kind of like something I'd do. And the dad reached around and caught the bee in his hand and soon released the bee back into the car. Well, then the boy was still screaming because the bee was flying around until the dad opened up his hand to the boy and see, see the thing that you were scared of, I took for you. You don't have to fear the bee anymore. The sting is gone. And let me tell you something, church. God's saying the same thing to us. When we go through trial and we go through circumstance and we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do and we're scared of what what may come next, the God in heaven reaches down his hand and says, look, my child, I've already taken the sting. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Why was the tomb empty? Because Jesus was alive. The angel said he is risen and the promise to us is that we can live even when we die. We just have to know him as our Lord and personal Savior. But see, it doesn't end there. There's another promise that I want you to know about Easter. And it falls in the last verse of Luke chapter 24 in verse number 12. It said, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And it's the promise of empty clothes. After the angel had spoken to the woman, they immediately went back to the apostles and reported what had happened. With the incredible news, Peter and John immediately raced back to the tomb to see it for themselves. When they got there, John stopped just outside the tomb, but Peter ran on in. It didn't take them long to to discover that the tomb was just the way the women had said it was, empty. But that's not all. When they looked inside, Peter found the clothes that Jesus had been buried in. They too were empty. 
they wouldn't have removed the burial clothes uh, of, of Jesus and um, folded them up neatly and left them where they lay if Jesus wasn't truly risen. It wouldn't be long before Jesus himself would appear to Mary and to the apostles and soon to over 500 people. He would sit down with them. He would walk with them, talk with them, eat with them. Once again, they would, they would be able to be with their Lord. You see, that's the promise of the empty burial clothes. Is that soon we will be with him again. Jesus isn't, listen, some nebulous force out of the universe influencing people. He is a living Savior. And He desires to have personal relationship with you. Just as He did with all those people over 2,000 years ago. I want you to think about this. The cross couldn't hold him. The tomb could not contain him. The burial clothes were unnecessary because Jesus was alive. He has skin and bones and a face and was recognizable. And he talked and touched and loved and healed. And he did it on the day of his resurrection. And church, he still does it today. But I want to ask you a question today. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Not just do you know about him. See, I know about people like Hank Aaron and George Bush and Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan. I know about them. I can name the stats. I can tell you the teams they played for. I can list them from top to bottom. The batting average, the shooting, all that stuff. How many? Uh, but I know about them, but I've never met them. I don't know who they are. I don't know their personality. I've never shook their hand. I've never given them a, 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 a hug. I've never done any of that. But let me tell you something about Jesus. Not only can you know everything about him by reading what's inside the word of God, but you can literally know him. It's been over 2,000 years since Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected. That first Easter Sunday, as the women went to the grave, they had no idea what was about to happen to them. They were not yet aware of the wonderful promises of that day. And off in the distance stood the empty cross, the promise of eternal life, that their sins were forgiven. There was an empty tomb, and inside the tomb were the burial clothes, the promise that we would once again have personal relationship with Him. What's the Bible say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Do you know that this morning is not too late? It's not too late this morning. I want to share one more story and close with a verse. There was a man who tells a story about a blazer that he had bought from Nordstrom's. He said about a year and a half ago, I bought this new Navy blazer. 
It was one of those cases you have, may, may have gone through where you buy an item of clothing and the more you wear it, the more you realize you don't like it. My blazer wasn't the right color and to make matters worse, it attracted lint like it was going out of style. After wearing it pretty regularly for six months or so, I stuck it in my closet and didn't wear it for a long time. Tucked away in the back of my mind all the while was that Nordstrom unconditional return policy. I thought I've had this thing for a year and a half. I've worn it plenty of times and there's just no way they're going to take it back. About two weeks ago, I decided I had nothing to lose. So I pulled the blazer out, threw a lot of lint on it to make it look bad. And I took it to Nordstrom's. I walked in and immediately I felt nervous. Like I was going to pull some scam. So I walked right up to the first salesman that I found. And I gave them my little prepared speech. I said, I'm about to put your unconditional return policy to the ultimate test. I have here a blazer. I've worn it a lot of times. I've had it for a year and a half. I don't like it. It's the wrong color and it attracts lint like it's going out of style. But I want to return this blazer for another one that I like. Then I stood there and I couldn't believe it. The guy with the big handlebar mustache looked back at me and said, well, for goodness sake, what took you so long? Let's go get you a blazer that you like. Ten minutes later, I walked out with another blazer marked $75 more than I had paid for the original. It was perfect and didn't cost me a penny. And in a small way this morning, what I want you to see is that Nordstrom department store is a lot like God. They're willing to back up their promise. And I think at Easter, more than any other time of the year, we realize sometimes that God has made all sorts of outlandish promises. So outlandish that some of us might even not even believe that it can happen. But this morning, we've heard about three the promise of my sins being forgiven. The promise of living my life in heaven with Him. And the promise that one day I will have communion with God. But I do want you to listen to one last promise. And it's found in Romans chapter 10. And I'll close with this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you hear that today? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, if you've never accepted God's promise for your life, He's probably saying the same thing as that Nordstrom worker. For goodness sake, what's taking you so long? But today, it's time. So with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, you say, Pastor, I've never given my heart to Him. And I want to do so today. Or you may say, Pastor Chris, 
life's hit me sideways and I've done some things I'm probably not proud of. I, I, I used to be saved. I've asked God into my heart. But today I want to make sure and I want to know for a fact that my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Would you slip your hand up? Nobody looking around but me. I see the hand. I see the hand. Oh, thank you this morning. Thank you this morning. 